Thanks for joining us online at elevationbillings.com. Pastor Dave Carroll is speaking this week on the marriage series, You Asked For It. The title of the message today is Ladies Who Love God's Best. Ladies Who Love God's Best. Now, if you're a guy, you don't want to check out because you're going to need to listen in real carefully. In fact, Amy was telling me between services that she had more guys than ladies walk up to her and say, thank you. That was the best sermon I ever heard. And, and, and you'll find out why. You're not laughing because you don't know yet. But you will know, I promise. And so uh, here we are. We're in Mark chapter 10, verses 8 and 9. Make sure to turn there in your Bible. Mark chapter 10, you have Matthew, Mark in the New Testament, second book, chapter 10 and verse 8. As we continue the series, you ask for it. Now, before we go uh, any further, what we're going to do today is look at three characteristics during three key seasons of life and marriage that everyone needs uh, to identify and implement into their life. And so, ladies, you're going to need to embrace these characteristics. This message is for you, primarily. Uh, however, guys, you got to listen in because you're going to get some keen insight from a real live lady, right? Hey. From a real live lady. And uh, maybe we'll, we need a man's later or something like that. I don't know uh, who can translate. But you're going to have to help them, guys. You're going to have to help them achieve the qualities that Jesus wants from the ladies inside of a marriage. And so here we go. We're at Mark chapter 10 and verse 8. And this is what Jesus says. And we read this at the end of the sermon last week. He says this, and the two shall become one flesh. Hey, say that with me. Say two, two. become one. one. Say it again. Two, two. become one. A little stronger. Two, two. Become one. That's what Jesus said. That was his idea, that two would become one inside of marriage. And then he says this, so they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And the idea today is this. We're going to look at marriage through the eyes of a lady, and next week we'll look at it through the eyes of a man. Now this week we called WAGS Sunday, wives and girlfriends and single ladies, right? And I tried to come up with an acrostic for guys for next week, but I couldn't, so it just works better anyway if you say it's guy Sunday next week, right? And so like we don't get to wear deodorant or anything like that. It, it will be fun. No. Uh, don't raise your hands in worship if you do that, all right? <clears throat> uh, maybe you're not free to worship God that way. But as we look at this season, uh, the, the first season, it's singleness. And God intended for two to become one, and it starts with one of the two in the season of singleness pursuing a special characteristic, and that characteristic is purity. Purity. Purity is quite possibly the greatest godly characteristic you can grab onto if you're single. You might be a student in the room, a middle school student or a high school student. You might be divorced. You might be widowed. Uh, you may have never been married and you're uh, further along in life. God desires this characteristic of purity. And here's why. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 says this. This is uh, a description of Jesus and his church. It says this, For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband. 
That is Christ. And so as we reconstruct the idea of marriage in this broken culture, because last week we talked about how marriage has been deconstructed by divorces in our family or a failure in our own marriage. Uh, you know, we, we tend to shy away from it and people are getting married later and later and later because they think that marriage is the way to end a relationship, not to start a good one. And, and so Jesus says the opposite. He says, you should be preparing so much with purity for your future spouse. And uh, people often ask me and, th- and they say, Dave, do I really have to be pure before marriage? Should I really not have sex before I'm married. Where does the Bible say that? They're, they're asking, where's the verse, Dave? Show me the verse where it says, do not have sex before you're married or it's wrong and sin. They're looking for those words. And, and here, here's where uh, you're missing the boat. You're trying to look for an excuse so that you can do what you want instead of conforming to what God wants you to do and his idea And the Bible, in fact, does say something about that in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. This is what it says. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Now, what we like to do is play around with purity. Uh, We play around with purity and we violate this idea of two becoming one. Say that again. Two become one. We violate the idea, and every time that we become impure, every time we go outside of marriage, whether it's before marriage or during marriage, and you go outside of marriage, uh, we mess with this idea because it's no longer two trying to become one. Check out this chart on the screen. It's pretty incredible. What the chart shows is on your left, it is how many sexual partners a person has. And the chart assumes that if you have sex with the same amount of people um, as your sexual partner, in other words, if you've had sex three times and they've had sex three times, the chart shows that you've actually had sex with seven people. Uh, And then what's alarming is that you get down to 10 people and it shows that the the actual sexual exposure of your life is over 1,000 people. 1,000 people. And so... Um, in this day in America, we're, we're kind of behind the eight ball because uh, we're not trying to have two people become one flesh. We're trying to have a thousand people become one flesh. And it gets pretty difficult, doesn't it? That's just real talk, isn't it? Uh, it's real talk. And, and so you may be in the room and you're hearing this message. You're going, oh man, I've messed up. Uh, there's good news. We do serve a good, good father who forgives. We do serve a good, good father who gives a fresh start, but here's your part in it. What do you do if you've messed up? Maybe um, you're living together, having sex outside of marriage, and and you're turning it into, you're headed toward at least 1,000 trying to become one flesh. Um, What you do is you start today. You start today. You, You say, you know what? My past is my past, and we've all failed God in many areas of of our lives, but today I'm going to grab on to purity. And it's very important because if you learn to work at this now and you can stay pure as a single person, you will be able to stay pure as a married person. Do you hear me? Can I get an amen? That's where we're at. Now, um, many times people just don't understand 
uh, this idea of purity, and they say, oh, I've never grown up that way. I was a youth pastor uh, many moons ago. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty telling to me that I was in youth ministry for 10 years, and I've been out of youth ministry for 10 years this year, and, which makes me 20 years in ministry, and that's why I have gray sideburns at 38, in case you were wondering. Um, but back in my youth ministry days, we were hosting a small group, and a host home leader was listening in to all the studies each week, and they were... Uh, they were just saying, wow, I, I never heard that about the Bible. They were newer believers. Hey, I didn't know that that was true. And one week they came and said the most shocking thing ever. Uh, the lady came up and said, hey, you said something that I just got to double check with you about. You're telling these middle and high school students not to have sex until they're married. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling them. And she said, why would you say that? And I said, well, that's what Scripture says. Really? That's what Scripture says? She says, man, I'm so glad that I didn't try to teach a Bible study. I would have told them all wrong. She said, my mom actually encouraged me to have as many sexual partners as possible. And when I had the best sex, that's how I knew that I would have the the spouse for the rest of my life. That was the method that that she was being taught. And uh, while we laugh at that, that's what's really happening in our middle and high schools. That's what's happening with uh, adults in their uh, late teenage years and 20-year-old uh, age groups, people are trying to experiment around and they're not pursuing pur- purity. And what they don't know is that they're sabotaging their relationship of marriage in the future. And so um, season one is singleness and it requires purity so that the two can become one flesh. Now, I got great news for you. Um, my better half and the one that is making this the best-looking sermon that's ever happened in the history of Elevation Church uh, is about to share from a lady's perspective on the next two points. And here's the second season, the season of spectacular. I want to deal with this, this season first because many times we look at marriage and we only want to talk about the bad parts, but the truth is it's during the good seasons of your marriage Uh, that you're going to put principles and practices in place that honor God and keep you married and keep marriage awesome. Remember, marriage can be awesome. And the characteristic that we need is engagement. Now, ladies, think back to when you got engaged. You know, when he came with a ring and he asked you to marry him. He asked for it, right? And, And that day you got engaged and you got very excited about being engaged. But then something happens. We lose the excitement of being engaged because as time goes on, we started with engagement and that's what kicked off the relationship. But then we stop being engaged with each other once the relationship moves into marriage and we start moving separate. Listen to Proverbs chapter six, verses six through eight. It says this, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. I love the new labeling translation. I can say you lazy bones, right? Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. We can learn from the ant in this area of staying engaged during the spectacular seasons and storing up for those seasons that may not be so hot. So, uh, Amy, why don't you take it away and, and tell us what it's like for a lady to stay engaged and, and to love God's best. Yeah, it, just as we start, I hope that you, you hear our heart that 
We, by far, are not perfect. Um, we've had our difficult times as well as our awesome times. And, you know, right now I think our marriage is rocking that, you know, spectacular season. I just found that out. Okay, That's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> That's good to know. Just giving you a heads up is awesome. Okay. Um, but like that scripture in Pro- Proverbs that's talking about, you know, marriage takes work. And the moment that you stop working on it, it's going into decline. And so there's three different areas that we try to um, engage while, especially during that awesome season. And the first one is to stay engaged spiritually. Uh, you know, the times that I'm in the Word daily, praying for my husband, covering him with prayer, asking God to protect his mind, to keep him from temptation, those are the keys. If we realized um, how much our prayer life really do, does impact our marriage, I think we'd be on our faces more before Jesus. So stay engaged spiritually, pray for your man, lift him up, ask God to just develop a heart um, like his and getting into the word. Ladies, I'm going to tell you, there are times where I don't feel like loving my spouse. And in Romans 5, 5, it talks about him pouring his love into your heart. I mean, there are times I'm like, Jesus, you got to help me. Pour your love into my heart. She needs Pour a lot of help with a me, lot, by a the lot, way. Yeah. She really does. And it's every day. It's just not when I'm like, oh, you know, it's every day coming before God and asking him to help me in my marriage. Second thing is mentally staying engaged with him. You know, there's times where life gets busy and we get into working every day and um, taking care of the kids and, you know, what are we going to eat for dinner? And I'm not thinking positive things maybe about my spouse. Maybe he got up late in the morning and that just kind of ticked me off, you know, because I'm more of that worker bee. And so I'm like, get up and help me with these chillings, you know? And so he, sometimes I have to come back and think positive things towards him every day. And let me just tell you something that in one marriage study that we did. Um, you know, men are like microwaves and women are like crock pots, right? It takes a lot longer for us to um, heat up. And we'll, we're going to get there, don't worry. But uh, mentally engaging um, and thinking about him during the day, maybe texting him and saying, you know, man, I love you. And um, I've had to tell Dave, hey, when I do that, it would be great to get a reply. You know? <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny she says that, and, I, and I'm going to have a moment of transparency. Uh, one of the things that I haven't done to help Amy engage during the good times historically, because I'm, I'm a relaxed personality, and if I didn't have Amy, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't match when I preach to you on Sundays. You know, she's even uh, organized the closets where there are only two or three In color colors, combinations, you know? and uh, they like all the match rainbow. together, right? But... Uh, there, there was just a few months ago even, mm-hmm. uh, I came to the realization that I wasn't helping Amy stay engaged with me because she would ask me, how come you never text me? How come you never uh, say anything uh, to me during the day? And when she went to work, it became even more uh, separate. Uh, and, and I began to realize that if I'm going to have a marriage that, that is God's best as a guy, I need to work to engage back because she's really good about engaging with me. And so what does that look like? It's as simple as this. When she sends me a text during the day, I text back as quickly as I can and and say, you know what? Hey, I love you too. And even better, this scores mega points, guys. Um, If you'll send the first text Mm. 
Wow. Mm. Oh, uh, you may get some of what she's going to talk about next. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because women, this is the thing, is that women <laughs> connect emotionally where guys connect physically. And so emotionally, when I'm attached to him and, and thinking about, like, man, thank you, God, for giving me such an awesome man. Now, he's also put the work in to be that awesome, godly man, okay? He ain't no slouch over here either, but um, it helps me out to stay. The third thing is to stay physically engaged. When I come home from work, and man, I've been working this year, teaching school, and those third graders wipe me out. And I want to come home and kick up my feet and do nothing. And I have to, to come off my phone. Girls, I love y'all, and I love Netflix just as much as you do, but there's times where I got to get off the Netflix and stop watching. She different... loves The Walking Dead. Oh, shh. <laughs> Don't tell them that. <laughs> Uh, anyways, Are you to be a pastor's wife down to Nabby. <laughs> I don't know. That's another, Moving that's another, on. That's a whole other sermon. Are you allowed to watch like The Walking Dead and be a pastor? There's I don't some know. good right. storylines there. I relate it to the, the end times of Jesus. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, moving on. And so I need to stay focused like emotionally and physically into a relationship. And then also, let me just, let's, let's talk about this. Um, I, ladies, I love you. But we need to be mindful about sex. Boys. And all the guys said. Amen. Okay, let's, let's go there. Um, I had some very wise people, one of them being my dad. I, you know, he started talking to, I have all sisters started talking to us um, early middle school about, you know what? God created sex. It's supposed to be this like wonderful, enjoyable thing inside of marriage, okay? And so he was just trying to encourage us because my mom grew up like, don't do it, don't do it, it's so bad. And then when they got married, it's, you know, it's hard to kind of flip that switch. And other people come from different backgrounds, I get that, but that was what we were taught, you know, God's way, how to do it, God's way, which is inside of marriage. And so my dad wanted us to go into looking expectantly towards marriage, going, man, this is gonna be awesome, God's gift for you. Do it inside of marriage. I love that guy. Yeah. My, my dad's awesome. And so, um, you know what? Let's just talk numbers here. If you're doing it every couple of weeks, that's not good enough. Okay. There's something physically, I don't understand how, why God wired men this way, but there's just something about needing that release every two or three days at least. And so put that goal out there to go, you know what? I am going to help my husband because you know what? What Proverbs 5.15 says this, drink water from your own cistern. This is my cistern right That's here. That's right. If he goes to another cistern, we're going to have some issues. Okay. So drink water. She's not water. just my sister. That's She's right. my cistern. Cistern. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Running water from your own well. You know what? When you think about water, water is refreshing. We need it. It's life-giving. And how much awesome is the fact that we cannot just be like, what's up, roommates, okay? But he is my man. And so the only person that can meet that need in our marriage is me, okay? Not someone else. And so it's drink water from your own cistern. I love it when you hold my arm oh, like baby. that, baby. Yeah, okay. So anyway, so these are just some keys mentally physically, spiritually, like as we're going through a good season. Now, not every season is a good season. And so the third season is um, what we would like to call the, when you're in a struggle. When you're yeah, in a the struggle. The season of struggle. And this is one we want to end with because uh, struggle happens to everyone. And, and this applies whether you're single or divorced. 
uh, or you're married, um, we have to take on this characteristic of godliness called humility. This is really a characteristic that is super important because here's the truth. Us guys, we were born um, being taught, especially in this country, to win at all costs. We were taught um, when there's a problem, bow up and, and just get it done and mow over whoever it is that we have to mow over. That's, that's what we were taught. And so we make it tough on our wives to be humble. And if you're a guy in the room, hey, we need to learn to back off and be a godly guy and, and learn how to fight for the we and not fight for the me, right? Uh, we learned that last week. But we need this characteristic of humility. And wives, if you're in the room and you're struggling in your marriage and, and there's some friction that's happening Listen to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34. It's speaking of God. He mocks proud mockers. That's what God does to the proud, right? He mocks them. But shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Ladies in the room, if you want to love God's best, you take on this characteristic of humility where you pull back in the shelter of the Lord during the difficult seasons. You know, in Montana... As I've spent uh, three and a half years here already, maybe a little more than that, I'm alarmed at the number of abusive situations uh, that have occurred in this city and in Yellowstone County. And we're it's not, crazy. And we're not, you know, let me tell you this too. If you're in an abusive situation, we are not saying to stay in that marriage and get beat up and die. Yeah, so go, tell the, yeah, yeah, go tell somebody. Go tell somebody. But um, there are some that haven't gotten to that point, and you always need to fight to make it work because God said, don't let man separate what he's put together. So you got to fight for it and work and not give up. But if you want to be a lightning rod for God's favor, you hang on to Proverbs 3, verse 34, because while he mocks the mockers, it says he shows favor to the humble and to the oppressed. If you want God to look down and give his strong hand in your relationships, in your marriage, you're going to have to take on this characteristic of humility. Talk to us about that. You see, humility is the opposite of pride. And um, I was reading, it was probably a couple years ago in my quiet time, you'd be amazed what God hits you upside the head when you're in the Word, right? And so in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, it says, where there is strife, there is pride. Write that down, Proverbs 13, 10. You're going to need it. Memorize it. Where there is strife, there is pride. So any time in my relationships, and it's not just my marriage relationship. It can be with my kids, with a coworker, someone at our, in our church body. Where there is strife, there is pride. And so the first thing you need to do is be introspective. You can't change other people, but you can change yourself. I can't make Dave do the dishes. You know, I can ask him kindly, but I can't make him... You can also do other things that make it more likely. Yes, that was very true, which we already talked about. Moving on. Okay, so, but be introspective on my own state of my heart. What is my... Pro- I know y'all love this. It's going to be your favorite summer of the whole year. Okay, so, so be introspective. What is the state of my heart? What is coming out of my mouth? Is it gossip? Is it hateful language to my husband? Am I yelling at my kids? Guarantee there's some type of strife going on, and you need to come before the Lord and ask him for forgiveness. And the second thing is to be willing to reach out to some wise friends. You know what? There's been a couple of seasons of our marriage that it was rough. And the, um, there was one time 
where we were serving in Florida, and um, we had two, our oldest boys were like one and two. And I went from working to all of a sudden the social butterfly has to be at home with no adult interaction. And I did not uh, work on my spiritual walk, and I kind of set it to autopilot, and I kind of slipped into like a, a mild depression. And taking all that angst and turning it to Dave, asking and looking for him to meet my needs. And it was bad because I bowed up, mm-hmm. and uh, what happened was fireworks, and it was uh, the one time in our marriage where uh, we almost separated. Yeah, I, I was done. I'll just be very honest with you. I said, I- I'm going. I'm taking the kids. And now I'm like, well, why would I take the kids? But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> we can edit that one out, Let's right? See now. Okay, so. Now, now I say, honey, if you're going, um, I'm you going with you. take That's an extra right. suitcase because I'm coming with you. But it, was, it was not, I mean, and I went to some, I had two of my oldest friends, um, or two of my good friends that were older than me. Okay, um, I went to them and I just was like, you know what, Dave, blah, blah, blah. And one of them just looked at me and said, Amy, you're wrong. And so you need to surround yourself with friends that are wise and will bat for your marriage. Let me just tell you, like 20-something-year-olds, you know, you're in the season where you just think all your friends could be 20-year-olds, you know. There's something about going to people who are older than you in the word, um, older than you in age, going to 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, going, hey, and getting to know them because they will deposit into you. Look at Scripture. It says, Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. That's Proverbs 12, 26. Here's Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. You know what? If I want the best marriage ever, I want to put myself around people that have rockin' marriages, that have been through the tough times, and they can pour into our marriage and tell me, hey, Amy, I love you but you're wrong. And you need to change this and this. You know, this, this friend of mine started coming over every week on Monday nights because Dave was gone at seminary from six in the morning to 12 midnight. And I'm at home with two babies by myself all day. And she came over, would bring coffee and we would spend two hours for probably about like six months. We did this weekly and uh, we would just kind of share. And she helped me to pray for my husband, change how I thought, how I spoke about him, and prayed for him for God to guard his life. It changed us. And so, and then the finally, um, as we close today, we're going to talk about having a heart of repentance. You know, if you have realized, like, you know what, I'm the one who messes our marriage up, or at least 50% of it, right? Um, I was reading this week, it's kind of funny what God does when you're about to speak about something. Um, I, I'll be honest, I messed up this week just with my attitude towards my husband and my kids. And Dave's like, what That's is funny, that I didn't you? notice. Yeah, he noticed. Okay, <laughs> so I'm coming in the morning because that's when I'm trying to get filled up, right? Psalm 51 is all about repentance. I'm like, oh no, you know? <laughs> um, and this is the scripture, if you know about it, it talks about creating me a clean heart and a new spirit, right? And then further down in verses 16 and 17 says this, you do not delight in a sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. And so I had to go before the Lord this past week and just confess like attitudes 
a bitterness, a maybe frustration, and then go to my kids and go to my husband and ask them to forgive me. And there's something when you humble yourself before your spouse um, and come before them without pride, it, it clears up any type of negativity. And you know what? The times where I do that are the times where I find that he can come back and then confess sin. It's almost like the same, um, like trying to be the first one to make it right. And there's a lot of times you don't want to do that. But if we're growing in our faith, if we're growing as Christians, we're going to want to do the things that the Lord asks us to do. And that's to be, have a pure heart and a right spirit before him and our, and our spouse. Yeah. And, and the truth is, uh, when we get to struggling in our marriage, uh, what we like to do is we like to go and hide because we think we're the only ones in the situation that we're in. And the truth is, is that God is the God of your greatest successes, and he's also the God of your deepest hurts and struggles and pain. And the good news is we serve a Savior who will come and be our strength if we'll just add purity, if we'll just add humility, right? If we add engagement and staying engaged, he will come and be our strength. And so we know today that it takes how many to become one flesh? How many? So we say it together. The two become one. Say it again. The two become one. The two become one. And that's the ladies' part. But here's something else today as we come to a time of response. Um, You may have a different kind of struggle, uh, a bigger struggle than even relational or marriage, and it's in the area of your eternity. And you walked in today, and there's good news. There is flesh that was pierced through on a cross, and blood spilled down from our Savior, Jesus Christ, so that the struggle of sin, so that the struggle of selfishness and pride could be defeated through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross, and we could experience forgiveness from that one flesh that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And and today, you might have walked in the room, and maybe you didn't even know that your biggest problem wasn't here on earth, but that it was spiritual, it was eternal, it lasted in heaven. But today you're starting, you hear this and you say, whoa, 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 that's a bigger problem than what else I walked in the room with? Yes, it is, if you do not know Jesus Christ. And so I'd ask for every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. <clears throat> and just have a simple question today. If you walked in without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life. Maybe you've done some religious stuff here and there. Maybe you're even sprinkled as a kid, but it meant nothing. And today you realize that you need to, you need to see the struggle of sin conquered by a savior named Jesus. And you want to give your life to him, place your faith in him for the first time. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Is there anyone like like that in the room that say, today, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Raise your hand. Yeah, I see it. Keep it high. Keep it high for a second. Nobody's looking around. Nobody sees it. Is there anyone else who would say, today, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ? Yeah. Hey, if you raise your hand, would you just look at me for just one second? If you raise your hand, just, just only the person who raised their hand. Listen, is this something you really want to do? 
you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and receive him and let him be Lord and Savior. Is that it? What I want to ask you to do is after service, would, would you mind going to the Next Step Center and, and talking with them and letting them lead you in that relationship just after church? Is that something you'd be willing to do? I want to encourage you to do that. Thanks, man. For the rest of you, I want to ask this question. In, in the first service, we had a ton of hands go up. Now, I know it's awkward to say, hey, I need some help here. Pray for me. But maybe your single and purity has just been going down the tank. It, it's, been, it, it's been a total struggle for you to stay pure in your singleness. And you need help. Or maybe you're in the season of marriage and you see things slipping, even though things are quote unquote going well, you're going further apart and you're like, I need some help staying engaged. Or maybe you're seriously struggling. I know there are, every Sunday there are couples who walk in on the brink of divorce and you're saying, I need some humility so I can stay in this thing and see God do a miracle. If that's you and you just need prayer, with every eye closed, would you just raise your hand if, if that's you? Yeah, all across the room. Let me pray for you now. God, we confess that even though you say over and over in your word that marriage is awesome and that it's your best idea, God, we struggle mightily with it. We struggle becoming one because we want to be selfish and, and, and we want to win. God, we want to we want to be in charge. We want to be right. And it just messes everything up. And Lord, I thank you for the transparency in the room today. And I thank you that your spirit looks around for those who are humble, who will cry out and say, I can't do it. God, I need you. God, I thank you that you come and you show your favor in those areas. And I pray and ask today that you would do that for everyone who is crying out for your help. Lord, that you would see, uh, that you would do miracles beyond our imagination in the area of our marriages. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Thanks again for listening. And join us next week as we continue the series, You Asked For It.